0: Uh, Well, one more time, everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas. Grace and peace to you. Let's see. Um, Over the past three weeks uh, here at church, we've been making our way through Matthew chapter 1, leading up to our passage this evening, which is, of course, the birth of Jesus. And there's a lot to say here, uh, more than I have time for. So what I want to do this evening is zero in on one detail, and that's the name that is given to Jesus which is Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now that name, Emmanuel, is telling us something about the nature and identity of Jesus. He's not just a person of world historical significance, nor is he just an unparalleled moral teacher. Jesus is, as he's named here, God with us. And that's the remarkable claim of Christmas. God has come near to us. Indeed, he's come near to us as one of us in the birth of Jesus. So what I want to do is ask three questions of the nature, uh, excuse me, three questions about this name, Emmanuel, and to see what it tells us. So the first question I want to ask is, where can God be found? The second is, what is God like? And the third is, how does God feel about us? So we're going to ask three questions about this name, Emmanuel, and see what it tells us. How does that sound? Good enough? All right. So let's get to it and just ask that first question. Where can God be found? Now, if we ask that question today, I'm sure we'd get all sorts of different answers, right? One might say, God is found when you look within. You find God when you listen to that inner voice, when you follow your true self. That's where you find him. Someone might say that. Another would say, nature is where God is. When you get away from the hustle and bustle of life, the content and the screens, there you can find God. Others might say that we make, might make contact with the divine in things like astrology or Wiccan or meditation of some sort. And then still others would say, well, it's all bunk and there is no God to be found. But what does Christianity say about this question? It says, quite surprisingly, I think, that God is found with us in the Son of Mary, the baby laid to rest in the manger in a feeding trough. And that's what this idea of the virgin birth is all about. Christians believe, as our passage makes clear, that Jesus was born without a human father. Now, why? Is the virgin birth uh, an impressive party trick? Is God trying to show off, look what I can do? No, the virgin birth, it means to show us that there is no distance between the man Jesus and God himself. It's not that Jesus was born the normal way by a human father and mother, and then he became God. As if somehow he had his own life, and then God possessed him, as it were, or something like that. Nor is it that God came down to us and merely pretended to be human, like a costume at a party. Rather, what the virgin birth tells us is that Jesus is fully God and fully man from the outset. And that's what his name, Emmanuel means God with us. So to find God, the Christian faith says, it, or rather it says, it doesn't say, look within. It doesn't say, listen to that voice, nor does it say, look up. It doesn't say, you've got to do this remarkable thing. You've got to achieve this, and then you can find God. But more astonishingly, it says, look to the manger. God is present in the newborn babe Jesus. Isn't that strange? What a weird thing to say. I remember when my daughter was born, that look, I'll never forget, just the look of being frightened, of just fear. And then to hear the claim, go to Bethlehem, go to the manger and see that frightened, needy, and tired infant, and you'll see God. That's a remarkable claim. And the reason that God comes to us as one of us is because we cannot find him on our own. The scripture says often enough that we are like lost sheep. And when we go looking for God, maybe we call it the transcendent, maybe we call it the ultimate, whatever. But when we go looking for God, we end up finding the wrong things. Not God, but some cheap alternative. We dive into pleasure hoping to find something there but they turn up empty and unsatisfying. We run after the latest self-help fad and it just seems hollow. We move from one thing to the next and we never seem to find what we're looking for. And the truth is we'll never find it and that's why God has to find us. And he shows up not in the brilliance of all his power and majesty but as a human infant. What could be more familiar in the human experience? What could be more obvious? Here I am, God says, you can't mistake me now. So we don't have to go on these great spiritual expeditions. We don't have to plumb the mysteries of the universe. We don't have to look deep, deep within ourselves to find God. No, actually, he's much closer than that. God is much more plain than that. He has appeared to us in an unmistakable way so that we can't miss him in the birth of Jesus. So the first question uh, then begs a second. If that's where God can be found, well, what is God like? That's another important question. I wonder how you would answer it. What is God like? There's a lot of familiar answers. Someone would say, God's like a a kindly old grandpa. You know, he's not that interested in the day-to-day details of my life, but, you know, he's there to help when I need him. Or someone might say, no, 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 he's not like a kindly old grandpa. He's more like an angry father. He's not all that pleased with me, I can tell, and he's liable to fly off the handle at any moment. Or maybe someone would say, this is a little bit more modern, uh, God's like a nice counselor. He's there to listen to me. And he's there to affirm my lifestyle choices, whatever they may be. On and on we could go. And I'm sure you have your own understanding of what God is like. Now, we all have these ideas, but the question is, right, the real important question here is, is anyone right? Is anyone right in what they think God is like? Again, surprisingly, the Christian faith says that no one's right. When it comes to knowing God or finding out what he's like, the Christian faith says that we're all misguided and ignorant. God is simply too high. He's too transcendent, too great to be found out by us and our human thoughts. Though we have all these thoughts about God, they're fundamentally off base and untrue. So how can we find out what God is like if all our thinking is faulty? How can we know him? Well, the answer is, God has to show us what he's like. If we can't ascend up to him, if we can't lift our minds up to reach God, he has to come down to us. And he has. That is the message of Christmas. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Indeed, he says later on toward the end of his life, His disciples know that Jesus is, they think, I guess, vaguely that he's going away. And they say, you know, if you can just show us the Father, meaning God, it's sufficient for us. And Jesus tells his disciples, he who has seen me has seen the Father. If you've looked into his human face, if you've heard his words and seen what he's like, then you know what the God of all creation is like. So the Christian faith claims that God came down to us, and he translated his divine existence into human existence so that we can know him. It's kind of like a good parent uh, who communicates to their child at a level that they can understand. They accommodate their speech, they accommodate their actions, so that their little child, my daughter, who's a year and some months, can understand. It says we're lisping. God, we're lisping to us. So, the question is, again, what is God like? What is God like? Well, let's try and answer that in that name, Emmanuel. Well, God is the kind of God who comes to be with his people. That's the kind of God he is. When he names himself, he names himself Emmanuel. In other words, Maybe we haven't heard this word very often, but it's the word prissy. God is not prissy. A prissy person is someone who likes things to be neat and tidy. Someone who expects people to follow the rules and to be extremely polite. Synonyms would be prim and proper, stuffy, and perhaps moralistic. Now, we would expect that of God, right? He's got everything up there, neat and in order, just like he likes it. But down here on earth... It's a mess. It's not somewhere that he wants to be for long. And we, in all our failure and sin, are not the kind of company that he wants to keep. That's what we would expect. It's surprising then to hear that God's not like that. Instead, he is Emmanuel, God with us. You see, God doesn't delegate his dirty work to another as if he were afraid to get his hands dirty. He doesn't keep his holy distance watching on an intense displeasure. Rather, he comes near to us in our sin and our impurity. Even more, he comes near to us as one of us. Now another synonym for that word prissy would be proud. A person who's too proud to associate with those under them a person who's too proud to sort of speak in the lingo and manner of the common people. But God is not like that either. Now, God is above us, infinitely above us, yet he takes the lowest seat among us. Now, just, let's just think about this for a moment. What does it tell us that God, the transcendent creator of the universe, became An utterly dependent infant and received shelter, warmth, and milk from a woman's body. What does that tell us about what God is like? Who could have guessed in their wildest imaginations that God is like that? That he's the kind of God who would do something like that? I've been a Christian for over a decade now, and the more familiar I get with the faith, the more strange I find it to be. I thought I understood what God was like. And then you get more familiar with the most basic thing of Christmas, and you find out God is greater than all my thoughts. So the good news is, God is not like our dumb thoughts about him. He is greater. He is higher. He is stranger and more glorious than we could ever possibly imagine. And now the last question. How does God feel about us? You guys know that word association game? Where you just say a word and whoever's there just has to say immediately what comes to mind? Now let's imagine for a moment we could play that game with God. And He had to blurt out whatever popped into his mind when your name was mentioned. What would it be? I imagine for most, unless we are smugly self-assured, it would not be all that positive. We tend to think that if God thinks about us at all, they're not very good thoughts. And our consciences seem to confirm this, right? That's why we want to keep a little bit of distance. God's not all that fond of me and I'm kind of skittish around him, and therefore, you know, let's just keep our distance. I'll come around when I can. I'll pray to you when I need it, but let's just kind of keep our distance. It's probably better for both of us. But the question is, is the conscience a good guide to tell us how God feels about us? Right, that's what sort of is normal for us, because we have this sense of our failure. We have this sense of not measuring up. Is our conscience a good God? Does it speak the truth? Well, the Christian faith says that the conscience, it does have a role to play, right? That, That voice inside of you, it is important. However, it also says that it's ultimately unreliable, that that voice is ultimately not the voice of truth. Instead, to find out how God feels about us, we have to look at Jesus, Emmanuel who's God with us. So how does he feel about us? Well, that name, God with us, it means obviously that he's near to us, that he's come to be among us. But it also means that he's with us, as in for us. Say a friend of yours is going through an incredibly difficult situation, and you respond in that middle of the silence and just say, I'm with you. I'm with you. What are you telling them? You're saying that you're in their corner. You're saying that you're not leaving them. You're saying that I'm here to help you no matter what happens. I'm with you. And God names himself in the person of Jesus, Emmanuel. God with us. Now that doesn't mean that God is our cheerleader that he's a divine co-signer on all our plans and projects, nor does it mean that he is pleased with us in every way and that we're not subject to his discipline and even his judgment. It doesn't mean that, but it means ultimately that God is with us, is that what he wills for our lives is good. He is... God with us in the sense that he has not abandoned us to the consequences of our own foolish and wicked and sometimes evil decisions. He has not abandoned us to the consequences of our sin and failure. He has done what's necessary to free us from all that. And so how, how much is God with us? That he would humble himself and become a human that he would become obedient and that he would follow the long path from the manger to the cross and that he would die there, pinned between two criminals, stripped naked in shame and disgrace to free us from our sins. The other name in this passage is Jesus and that name means The Lord saves, and he saves us from our sin. So where is God? In the child Jesus. What is he like? Well, he's the God that comes to be with our with us. And how does he feel about us? Well, he's with us. In a way that we could never even imagine. Christ Lord at his birth. So I'd invite you now. Before us here is the table, and this uh, is—it's called the Lord's Supper—and we take it every week, and it's uh, just—it reminds us of what the Lord has done and what He's accomplished for us. In remembrance of Him, we partake. Um, And I think today it's especially important because the cup and the bread signify the body and blood of Jesus—the body that He took to Himself, the body that was born of the Virgin Mary, the body that was broken upon the cross and raised the third day. So I'd invite you up to just come receive the elements, uh, to take them back to your places, and I'll lead us in the Lord's Supper in just one moment.